Welcome to Science Action. My name is Luke Peterson, and I am a journalist for the Science Action Radio Show, broadcast on the CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. And we are here today with Dr. Marsha Meldrum. So thank you for taking the time to meet with me today, Dr. Meldrum. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> All right, so um, can you begin by telling our audience a little bit about what you do at UCLA and what your roles consist of? Okay, well, I work <clears throat> as a teacher and a professor but also as a researcher at UCLA. Um, I've been working for the last 10 years for a center, it's called the Center for Social Medicine and the Humanities, which is very interested in the problems of mental illness and care for the mentally ill, particularly in Los Angeles County. Um, and as part of that, I've done extensive research into policies that have been developed, programs that have been developed for the mentally ill in Los Angeles County and conducted interviews with uh, care providers, policymakers, clients, and family members of clients. When I say clients, I mean uh, people with mental illness who are part of the mental, who are part of the mental health system. Okay, so um, mental health system. So um, would you mind describing um, any um, observations that you've made about that mental health system? Are we talking about Los Angeles County in particular? Yeah, when we talk, um, some of what I'm going to say is, you know, reflected in other urban health care center, mental health care centers across the country. Mm -hmm. However, LA County is the largest mental health system in the country. Um, and I won't say it's the most diverse, but it's certainly one of the most diverse. It's certainly at the very top. It's it, in many ways, it's characterized by um, a series of initiatives which sort of started and continued, but without necessarily being integrated over time. The Department of Mental Health originally um, believed it, it was going to act in an advisory capacity to um, clinical programs around the county but later found itself because there, there was no other care provider. It found itself becoming a major provider of care. Um, and since 2004 or five, um, with the funds available through the Mental Health Services Act, it's been able to expand those initiatives and initiate recovery-oriented programs in many parts of the county for individuals with mental illness and it's, many of these programs are, are really excellent and many people with severe mental illness have been helped by such programs, have been able to um, get into housing, to get into at least some form of employment um, and find some kind of um, norm normalcy in their lives. The, at the same time this was developing, however, the psychiatric hospitals in California had been closing rapidly since the late 60s. And um, under the assumption that community mental health centers would be able to take care of the clients, this was a, a, a false assumption, a fallacy. Um, the community health system was not in any way set up to take care of the clients that were released into into essentially released into the general population. Um, and 
the hospitals, the, the psychiatric hospitals, which are in the county at the present time, although there are many of them excellent, they're not set up to provide for the population. <coughs> many of them, um, <coughs> for the, the, the size of the mental health, of the, the mental health population, um, and most hospitals in the county operate on what's called the uh, operate under the 5150 hold, um, which is if the client a client is picked up if a person is picked up in the street um, or <clears throat> at their home behaving in a way which is disruptive, indicating that they have mental illness. They can be picked up by emergency services or they can be picked up by the police. They may be taken to a hospital under a 5150 hold, which is 72 hours, three days. And the hospital will then stabilize them on medication. Um, and the hospital is not equipped, nor does it wish, nor do the staff wish to hold this, hold the individual for longer than that. So as Within 72 hours, possibly sooner, they're going to release this individual again, <clears throat> maybe with medication, maybe with a prescription, but quite maybe with a referral, but quite often without follow-up to ensure that that person then gets continuing care. As a result, many individuals with severe mental illness in LA live in a kind of a revolving door. They go in and out of hospitals without ever getting the kind of sustained long-term care they need. Um, there are a number of programs within the county which are set up to provide for people with drug abuse issues and various types of mental health issues. Um, most of them, however, are not really equipped to deal with the severely mentally ill. And the severely mentally ill, therefore, generally live in this kind of revolving door system. Um, and they go in and out of a hospital. They also may be, some different times they may go in and out, they may be picked up and sent to jail. Um, out of necessity, the Los Angeles County criminal justice system has developed its own mental health unit, which is one of the, it's often described as the largest mental health hospital in the country. Um, there again, there, even though there, they, there are a number of dedicated people there and they have a number of good programs, they're not able, they're not equipped to deal with all the people who are hospitalized, who have mental health problems, um, many of whom should be in a hospital or should at least not be in jail. Um, and yet they often stay in jail for a long period of time while the <clears throat> staff, and the criminal justice system try to figure out exactly what to do with them. It's not a good system. Hmm. Um, so you mentioned earlier that um, as of 2004 or 2005 with the Mental Health Services Act that um, maybe long-term care moved to, re to a recovery-based system, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really seem very inclusive of those, um, of the situations that you just described. Um, so maybe you can address that. Also, um, before then, when um, maybe deinstitutionalization was occurring from the 60s onward, um, would, would you say that that wasn't recovery-based explicitly? Or... Um, no, it w okay. Both of these actually have related answers, those questions. Mm -hmm. um, 
the idea behind deinstitutionalization was first that, and there was some truth to this, that people were staying in the hospitals for long periods of time and they weren't getting any better. In 1952 to 54, the psychoactive, the first set of psychoactive drugs were, were developed, Thorazine and its sister drugs. Um, we now have a whole armament of medications available to us. And the assumption behind deinstitutionalization was that people could be maintained in the outpatient system by simply if they took their medications. This is true. If people take their medications, they often can achieve um, behavioral normalcy and they can... I won't say, they, they in a sense they recover it's probably better to say that they, they're able to manage their mental illness so that they can live a normal life. Um, the problem is that the, the medications have their own side effects um, and many of the mentally ill don't want to take them for the long term. Um, there are a number of books who've been written by people who have essentially gone through mental illness eventually stabilized on medication, and then nearly all say that they didn't want to take the medication in the first place. It was only after a long period of struggle that they realized that they had to take the medication. If, when a person comes to that realization and, and sort of puts themselves on medication and agrees to stay on it, then that, that's really recovery in a sense, because they've really come to the point where they can manage their illness on their own. But many people never come to that point. Um, and certainly just opening sending people out into the, into the community system, which really didn't know what to do, how to help promote people taking their medication, how to ensure that they did so was just not a, a really good plan. Um, as, as people became sort of lost in the system um, and were often ending up in, in, in jail or homeless on the streets, um, the recovery movement developed as a, a more positive way of approaching this problem. And there are a number of excellent psychiatrists and very good um, ideas behind the recovery program. There are a number of examples in different states where it's been tried with great success. The basic principle behind the recovery program is you meet the client or the, meet the patient where they are, you figure out what they need, you try to address those needs, whether they be housing or um, useful work or simply, you know, the, the encouragement to participate in social activities, whatever it is they need. Um, and certainly prescribe medications, but try to work medications into a, a larger problem, which over time moves them towards being able to self-manage, manage their own medications, and then over time to recovery which is defined basically as being able to live independently in the community. Recovery is an excellent idea, but it's not simply, and it, it you know, there, there are programs in, in Los Angeles County where it works really well, but it's not something which works easily for, for, for the people with severe mental illness. It can be very hard to get them to you know, sort of accept the ideas of recovery and get them to um, move towards, begin to progress towards this goal. Um, 
many of them simply need more long-term support than the recovery movement envisions them um, needing. And therefore, instead of recovering, they go off their meds or um, they, they, instead, they stop taking their prescribed medication and start taking um, illicit drugs instead, which of course doesn't, which really just aggravates the whole situation. Um, they're putting, they're offered housing. The housing is often, you know, many of the housing situations seem to be like living in a college dorm with a roommate you don't like very much. So they're, they, they leave. They don't want to stay there. Why should they stay there? They were in many ways, maybe not as comfortable, but happier on the streets. Um, so medication is not enough. I guess that's the, 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 the sort of, it's not enough. It's, it's, it's promotes recovery, but if there's, and I think if there's one additional thing which is needed, it's relationships. Um, a, 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 a long-term and trusting relationship with a caregiver um, hopefully augmented by caring relationships with friends or family that are essential, I think, for most people to make the journey from mental illness to something um, close to recovery. So you think that the recover like recovery um that notion sort of enli should enlist a holistic method. So um, you mentioned um, relationships and how those help. Um, yeah. Are there any other methods that you think are? Um... Method um, is actually set up to do that. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, it isn't in, in, in this concept, it's very holistic. Mm -hmm. um, it wants to offer the individual um, social activities, um, you know, opportunities for meaningful work of some kind, drug counseling if they need it, housing, certainly, you know, uh, um, assistance with benefits to make sure they have the benefits that they should get. All of the, as well as some, you know, some level of talk therapy and psychological counseling. There are different, different, you know, key words that they use, um, different kinds of key therapies that they identify, motivational interviewing, um, psychoeducation, which is ex Psychoeducation is kind of explaining to the individual why the way they're thinking about medication or something is incorrect and helping them to understand the correct way of thinking. Um, so a certain amount of talk therapy, all of these are necessary. And recovery, the recovery movement postulates that in the initial stage, the individual will receive all of these services in a very intensive level that also assumes that within a period of time, they'll be able to move to a place where they won't need quite such intensive service. Um, and the problem is that for many people, the period of intensive service needs to last longer than it does. So um, uh, how much of a correlation do you think there is between the problems you outlined with the mental health system in LA County and the issue of homelessness in that county? Well, I'm gonna say first that I think probably the the main issue um, in the problem of homelessness is that there isn't enough affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly there's a correlation. And one of the 
major factors contributing to homelessness is um, not being able to um, pay rent or maintain a home on one's own. Um, and the loss of family ties, hmm. which, you know, which might help you, you know, have a home of your own. And then the individual winds up on the street and becomes homeless. And over the long term, homelessness often exacerbates living on the street under the um, severity of those conditions, often not having enough food and depending and often getting street drugs as a, a kind, simply a way to relieve life, you know, to get through the day. Um, but relying on street drugs, often suffering different kinds of physical ailments for which the person doesn't get any kind of medical treatment. All these things are going to exacerbate mental illness. Um, and in fact, I think many individuals who initially um, become homeless simply because of financial issues probably over time fall into very, you know, become depressed, become seriously depressed or possibly develop some form of mental illness because um, as a result of being homeless, which they might not have done so if they'd be able to maintain stable housing. Um, so yes, I mean, it, men mental illness severely exacerbates the problem of homelessness. Um, that's by no means to say that all the people who are living in, um, as, um, without homes in Los Angeles County are mentally ill. Many of them are not. So um, do you think that the, the main or maybe the primary approach that um, one could take to try and s turn uh, to try to begin solving the problem would be to address the housing first, to address yeah. housing drugs first? first? I mean, there's a, there's a whole you know, movement about that. Um, mm -hmm. Housing both for people who just need housing mm -hmm. um, and housing for the mentally ill, which is is problematic because often they find it a hard time to adjust to, um, you know, housing in in a building which has which expects a normal level level of behavior. Um, but all these things these things can be done, um, but they require a lot of public will and they require a certain amount of funding. Um, I know that LA County has been trying on this level. Um, and I'm, I'm not I'm not really able to say you know to to why they're not succeeding or to what level they are succeeding, um, but certainly they aren't succeeding fully. And and a and part of the issue is the funding funding required is 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 large, but also you know I mean many people are generally in favor of getting the homeless into housing as long as it isn't in their in their neighborhood. Um, but the, 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 ha the homeless have to go somewhere. Um, housing has to be found for them and it needs to be found within neighborhoods where they can live like other people or it's really meaningless. Hmm. So it's, this will be an ongoing problem for, I think, years until we, until we pull together and figure out what to do about it. Okay. So, um, are there any other recommendations that you'd like to make or is there anything else that you'd like to say or emphasize? Um, I would just like to, oh yeah, I would like to emphasize this. I mean, I think this is, you know, one of the things that, that 
people find it's problematic for dealing with the mentally ill is that many people are afraid of them. Their, their behavior is often unpredictable. Um, and in some cases, this is merited. Um, people, with, people with mental illness can sometimes be violent, but the percentage of violent acts committed by mentally ill people is much lower than that um, committed by perfectly ordinary non-mentally ill people. Most, peop most of the mentally ill are more afraid than anything else. Um, and they respond to people who reach out to them and talk to them and treat them like human beings, just like any of us do. I think that's, you know, and, th and that too is something people, at one point we're, we seem to be making some strides toward reducing the stigma of mental illness. I think maybe we still are, but it's still hard for people to accept the idea that someone with mental illness might be living in their neighborhood. Um, and yet, you know, really, there is nothing in most cases to fear from such individuals. They need help. Um, and they need, they need friendship, just like all of us do. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to say? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you for talking with me today. So um, that's it for this week of Science Action. Make sure to check out our latest podcasts available on our global platforms for our latest interviews. And I'll talk to you later.